Culture and Psychology with Tabana. A very warm hello to our Radio Bomb Dot listeners. I'm sitting with Dr. Daniel Rockers and Dr. Alex Andrade. As usual, we are meeting um, to work with Radio Bomb Dot on Saturday and Sunday from 12 to 1 o'clock. And today is one of those days that we are sitting together and we are going to talk about a topic that Dr. Andrade is going to introduce and we continue our conversation. Thank you, Saide. Yeah, just thinking about some of the things uh, we need to do and not just in our specific field, but just even in the type of, you know, responsibilities that we have in multiple jobs, such as kind of administrative responsibilities, administrative duties. Uh, I know myself, I've worked for the state of California before as a state employee, and it was one of the first times that I really got a good dose of kind of the administrative responsibilities and duties. And over the years, I've realized like how essential those skills are, but also too, they could be really kind of challenging and taxing too. So I was thinking this could be a time where we can talk about how those administrative skills kind of developed, uh, kind of ones that we maybe practice in our own life, as well as experiences that we both had. And then even the idea of, you know, administrative duties or responsibilities, one may not be our favorite thing, or even those types of roles or jobs may not be our most prized roles or jobs, yet they could be very important too. And also, you know, what that's like for individuals who are maybe in those positions and maybe feel like that wasn't what they initially intended as far as a job or career, but also to how they can get a sense of satisfaction from that or uh, kind of like maybe I did use that as a stepping stone to maybe advance towards something that you'll want. And then fine, luckily, at least I have that those skills are really important to have. I can't imagine doing the job I do as a psychologist and not being able to take care of paperwork, even things like, you know, photocopying and faxing and uh, just organization that comes from those skills. So uh, I was thinking that was a good topic that we can talk about, too, so that our listeners can kind of relate to how to manage administrative responsibilities. Uh, Let me ask you guys, have you guys had a lot of administrative experience or skills throughout your careers and years? So you're meaning when you say administrative, you are excluding like management of people, is it or does it include that? It might include that. Yeah, I could see that, too. Yeah. What were you thinking, Daniel? Well, I'm thinking of when I was president of the psych associations, that sort of a thing. Oh, yeah. There's a fair amount of administrative. There's not really management of people, except that you do kind of have to direct people and organize things and events and what have you, that sort of a thing. It's dealing with the frustrations (laughs) of group actions. I think it's that for me, that's, that's been mainly my experience. I think I, when I was an employee in a large organization, I was not a good employee. I I feel sorry for, and I apologize here and now on the air to any of my previous managers. This is an open apology for how I was. I was not very grown up and I pushed back and pushed against and this I know makes things hard for people trying to organize I'd love to hear what that looked like I mean how how, how'd you push back or what did that entail 
Let me see if I can remember. I just remember the feeling of, you know, it's just, it's the idea of not trying to get along. Mm. You know how with some people you can tell their efforts are, they're trying to get along. They're trying to see, well, how are things going and then go in the flow. It's the, it's, let me give you a, a example in principle in traffic. There are a lot of people who are going with the flow and they travel with the flow and they don't disrupt the flow. There are other people who are always trying to get ahead. And then there are some people who are obstinate about doing whatever they want. And it's my right. I mean, I've been in the car with such people. They ride, drive in a fast lane. And if the speed limit is 55, they go 55 and not 56 and not 60. And they feel quite um, correct about driving exactly that speed limit in the fast lane. Mm. You know, fast lane, people are going faster than the speed limit. It's their, they can do whatever they want. Do you see what I mean? So it's they yeah. not trying to get along in principle. For myself, I, you know, I, you, there are plenty of ways you can interpret requests and respond in a contrary way. So for example, I worked in a, this is one of the, stands out for me and I'm not particularly proud of it, but it is, and it's not a, that big a deal. We would do presentations like once a week. And this was in a technology company, like a computer technology company. And they said, well, give, you know, give some sort of technical presentation. Well, of course it would probably be related to computers and programming and stuff like that. And I did a presentation on rockets so it did not really apply. <laughs> it just, but I interpreted it to be some current event thing like that. It's just, it was not getting along. It, you know, you can reinterpret things in a number of ways and you can say, what? I'm doing the thing that I want or I'm doing the thing that you asked. Yeah. But the reality is you're doing something that's a little contrary. You're, you're uh, gumming up the works a little bit. <laughs> so, say going, going against the grain but maybe not the best way uh, <laughs> it doesn't add necessarily i mean yeah. the, the presentation about rockets didn't sound like they changed direction in the company uh following that yeah. presentation huh no and i'm sure it really enlightened no one at that company <laughs> i don't think it you know it may have been momentarily diverting but I, you know i didn't get, i don't think it gave anybody any new ideas or did anything there so as I got older and then I started to get involved in things like the local psych association and the state association, that's when I began to see, oh God, this is how I was acting. Because then I, I'm trying to do something with a group and some people are like not participating, pushing back. It was, I even, I actually did even call up one of my previous managers and apologize to him. I said, you know, I can see what you were trying to do, what you were trying, where you were trying to go. And I said, I apologize for how I was. And, and anyway, it, it was a good connection. It's a good thing. Just along those lines, just as an aside, I think that's a good thing to do. When we look back in our life and we see, oh, you know what? I acted in such a way that probably was just not helpful, not kind or whatever. It can be freeing to go back and connect, reconnect with some people. The one manager I was thinking of from from way back in the tech company, I looked, tried to look him up on the internet, but I saw no trace of him. He probably had some cardiac event due to frustration with, with his employee. 
Poor guy. Anyway, enough about me. Let's uh, let's talk. Let's talk about side A here. Let's have side <laughs> you talk about side A. As you were talking, Dan, I was just imagining one of my really um, hard students I was dealing with in classroom that was trying to make everything difficult for me. But uh, it's interesting because as uh, you were just going through your memories and talking about your experiences, you know, I was very opposite. And I was just thinking, it's interesting that the, the way we see the world, like maybe it was my, my bringing, my being raised the way I was. I was always following the rules. And um, from school days all the way to becoming a worker, I always wanted to be the best. And I always wanted to really do whatever it takes, you know, to really satisfy the people that I was working with or the teachers. So I guess it's just part of who you are. And um, I don't know if it was a good thing or bad thing, whatever, but when the rules were rules, um, I was just following, you know. And, um, you know, I don't know if it's a um, smart way to live or is it the opposite? Because sometimes when you question everything, you learn more or you just don't straight follow anything. But for me, I was just thinking about my past and it was always just mm -hmm. rules of the home was always followed by me. I just didn't want to make any sort of problem for myself with my parents or I mean it was everything like follow the rules if this is the rules you follow and then uh, when I started to work it was the same way you know it was like this is my manager this is what he or she wants and I have to do it and then gradually when I became um, a teacher um, I I was frustrated by students that they were not following the rules or they were doing something that was opposite of what they were supposed to do. But I learned that, yeah, there are people who really don't accept the rules for different reasons and there are people who do. And I learned so much from my teaching. And then gradually when I came from teaching to administrative job, same was with my employees. Some were super wonderful in working with and some, you know, created a lot of challenge. And I guess, you know, that's life. Yeah. So, and those that they created challenge, actual challenge, actually, I learned so much from them because I was on my toes with them and I was trying beforehand to make sure I have thought of everything. So I have answer for everything, you know, and that actually made me, I think, a better administrator because sometimes you act a certain way or you understand things a certain way. But people who challenge you, I feel like in many ways I respect them because um, so here's a, it's funny because here is my personality who followed all the time, the rules and whoever was my manager. And here I am thinking, I appreciate those that they challenge me because they, they make me think more. They make me actually be more conscientious of my actions and my behavior. And also whatever I put in their plate, I have to be well thought of. 
that why we are doing this. The why was always in my head. I have to have a good explanation. I can't just say because it's the rule and you have to follow. So I learned so much from those that they challenged me. And I always appreciated them. They were smart people. They were not just challenging because they wanted to challenge. So when it comes to this, I'm just thinking those people who challenge, they're smart. They don't fall with the rules just because they're rules. They question. But the way I was raised was that's the way it is. So when I learned from my employee that they challenged me, I started actually challenge my upper, you know, supervisor or my upper management. Um, and, and I started to learn that, you know what, if, if something is not right in my head, I have to stand and I have to talk about. And so I, I became a better, I think, administrator by that. So when we were writing something, I was always making sure to understand what is it that we are, you know, doing and changing so that I have a better answer. We got I did, I did want to mention one thing too related to that. Uh, Sade. I think it's important to recognize that there are a lot of times these rules and these procedures that are set in place. And like you said, it can be, you know, somebody who's very smart who challenges those, but we could also say somebody who's really smart who put those in place. And so it's like, okay, what if those rules and those procedures are in place? Does it mean that they can be approved, improved upon, or is it just somebody has a different way of seeing it or thinking about it? So maybe that's something we could talk a little bit more after the break. That, and also before we go to the break, I want to say sometimes people follow the rules without understanding why they had been following. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, because that happened to me when I became an administrator. I look, and sometimes when I questioned and challenged my manager, they said, well, it's been like this before. So then you now we can change it. We don't have to go by that. So we're going to come back and have more conversation over this. شنوندگان عزیز رادیو بامداد اگه صدای ما رو به زبان انگلیسی میشنوین من به همراه دو تن از همکارانم دکتر راکرز و دکتر اندرادی روزهای شنبه و یک شنبه از ساعت دوازده تا یک بعد از ظهر با رادیو بامداد همکاری داریم و اگه صدای ما رو میشنوید و فکر میکنید که به زبان انگلیسی موضوعات روانشناسی و یا موضوعات روز که ما در موردش بحث میکنیم ممکنه باعث استفاده برخی از آشنایان و دوستان و نزدیکانتون بشه خواهش میکنم ازشون دعوت کنیم به برنامه ما روزهای شنبه و یک شنبه از ساعت دوازده تا که بعد از ظهر تحت عنوان Psychology and Culture توجه کنن و همطور پادکست های ما از طریق گوگل و از طریق آیتون قابل سرچ هستن ما حدود 120 الى 130 پادکست ها کنیم با رادیو بامداد داشتیم و تاپیک های مختلف رو راجبشون صحبت کردیم اگر سرچ کنین و جستجو کنین تاپیک های مختلف رو میتونین در وقت های مناسب خودتون به اونها گوش بدین برمیگردیم و دنباله صحبتمون رو با دکتر دانیل راکرز و دکتر الکساندراده ادامه میدیم
We are back with Dr. Daniel Rockers and Dr. Alex Andrade. This is Saide Malik Afsalia speaking. Um, we were so far talking about administrative part of any job, and we got to a point that we were talking about some uh, employees or some managers who look at things differently and they start questioning or they start challenging mm -hmm. uh, some of the rules and uh, some of the issues um, and uh, some people just follow the rules without thinking and uh, we got to a point that uh, Dr. Andrade was if you hadn't listened to us I'm just briefly talking about this Dr. Andrade was saying maybe we have to look at this differently some people are smart that they question the rules and regulations some people actually may not be smart because those that they have created those rules were smart to begin with that they created those. So um, now we are back and we are conversing over that. And I was just going to say with this question that I agree that many people who create rules and, and laws, uh, they have been smart and they have been thoughtfully done that, but maybe it was for the time that they created that. And because that happened to me many times that when I looked back at the rules and regulations, I realized that these rules and regulations that our organization had created was from 20 years before. So maybe we need to look at it with a fresh eye and change it because many things we did in the past, it was in a different era, it was in a different technology world situation, and now things are changed and we better look at it and um, revise some of the rules and regulations and revise some of the actions over things we did or um, some of the behaviors we are expecting from the employees. So uh, maybe we can talk about this more. Yeah, I completely agree. I'm just thinking of uh, myself uh, at times, but particularly my brother, my brother has a habit of within the first week working somewhere that, and this has happened a couple of times to him, where as he starts a new job, all of a sudden he realizes, well, they could be doing things a lot better, that they are just not as efficient as they should be. So usually within the first couple of days, he's going in there and, and trying to change the rules and saying, no, I don't know why you guys do it this way. This is the best way to do it. And I've talked to them about, about, I've talked to him about this before. And I say, you can't just start a job in, in the first week, say, no, this is all wrong. I know the right way to do it. And just try to completely upend everything. And the reason why I tell him, like, you got to hold off a little while is because he may not see how it all works and how it all interconnects. He just sees kind of what he's immediately learning and saying, nope, this is wrong. I'm going to do it this way. And, and there's times he gets in trouble for this. He'll, he'll literally start doing things a whole different way. And I'm just like, no, you can't do that. Like, and I say I'm like this in a way, but I, I usually like to wait a little while longer. I like to be there for a couple of months before I see how the system works and how that runs, and then try to kind of, you know, question some of those administrative um, kind of rules and, and ways it's been. I find a lot of times, sometimes it's, they're not even administrative rules. They're more of like the cultural or the environmental rules of that place. It's like, oh, no, this is just how we do it. And I say, well, is that because of the administrative rules or is that just what has become the norm and then you can start to question and start to alter those things but yeah my brother is notorious for going in any place and saying they're doing it completely wrong 
and I'm going to do it the right way. And uh, he has, I don't think he's gotten fired too much because of it, but I know he has a lot of challenge starting a new job. Um, and, and he's very difficult to convince otherwise. He's like, nope, I know the right way to do it. So that's part of where that question comes from, because I think it could be good to be very strong-willed and strong-minded and you know, be able to kind of point out some, some, some problems, some inefficiencies, uh, but also to my brother, I, I think he just kind of bulldozes in there and says, nope, this is the right way. And this is what I'm going to do to the point it ends up causing him a little bit of a conflict and tension in his workplace. Yeah, you have to become one of one of the group in order to criticize the group or make suggestions. I've seen this happen in meetings a lot when the, it's in this kind of established meeting where people are meeting together and some new person comes in and starts, comes in pretty hot and telling people to do things differently. What happens is they haven't yet been accepted by the group to become one of the group and now they're criticizing the group. And it's a great way to irritate people and have everybody shut them down. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't mean that it's wrong, that he, his ideas are wrong, mm -hmm. but the presentation is probably suboptimal there. Yeah. Because if you're not one of the group yet, then you're going to get rejected. Well, isn't it in psychology, social psychology, we have um, learned that if you're a, a minority in a group or new to the group, you're better off to, um, you know, be careful with how you um, suggest or how you communicate. Start establishing your relationship first. And then when you're accepted by group, you have to speak with wisdom. Otherwise, you know, you're not, you are going to be rejected. But when you are thoughtful and you speak with wisdom, people tend to listen to you more when you are new to a group. But absolutely, I, I'm in my experience, definitely, and especially, I was always very conservative with any groups I was working. Um, one of the reasons, not only because it was just the way I was raised and I was behaving all my life, that I was always um, very conservative when it came to making suggestions or making comments. I was always very thoughtful to say something that it's meaningful, it's, it has a room for it at this point. So I never said anything out of just blue to say it. So in groups specifically, I learned to establish my place as a minority. It was very, very important for me as a minority um, to make sure when I say something, people would listen to me rather than, you know, uh, I'm just there, I'm an administrator, so everybody has to listen to me, or even with my own colleagues at administrators, uh, I was very thoughtful to don't say anything that um, it doesn't have a place for it. So I guess it's just all of these little things that you have to really carefully watch when um, you're in action. You know, especially as a person who have employees under you and you want to, to keep that respect from them. You want to be welcomed by them. You want them to listen to you. And so all of that creates a situation that you have to always, you know, make sure that you have done your 
uh, lesson before. You've done your research. You have done everything you need uh, to be able to um, communicate what needs to be done. Well, what do you mean by minority? When you say minority, what do you well, think? Minority. Um, I, um, you know, I was a second language learner. I wasn't born here. Um, I am from Middle East, you know, and when you talk about these things, so many things comes um, to mind of you yourself by your experience and also, um, you know, thinking from their place, from their point of view. So when I said minority, um, I didn't mean like a woman, being a woman, or I didn't mean anything but just um, not native born, not, um, you know, from uh, this, um, you know, society, uh, part of the um, target population. Um, I was, yeah, I, I came here um, as a second language learner. Um, I'm Iranian. I'm a woman. Um, all of that. So considering all of that, um, I was always conscientious of where I am, how I'm being perceived by others, how in the society I have to walk and I have to prove who I am, my capabilities, um, you know, my education. And, um, and I feel like you have to get that respect by your behavior, by your interaction with other people. Otherwise, you're going to have a very difficult time throughout your, you know, working life um, and, and interacting with other people. That was my experience when I said minority. And in education, I noticed that there are very few minorities when they get to a different level. And even in teaching jobs, there are very few minorities. And even one of the things I was always uh, concerned about, and I was always um, one of the things that basically I was standing for was we need to hire more, more diverse um, people. We need to have more teachers from diverse population because we are dealing with 25% of our student minimum of second language learners. We, we are dealing with many diverse population that uh, they have different race, different background. So we need to hire people from their background so the students, they see their other people like themselves. So one of the things when talking about rules and talking about HR, I was always bringing this up to a higher management that, you know, for these kids that we are dealing with, we need to have people that they're role models and they can look up to them and see if I'm an African-American, I have a teacher who is African-American. I have an administrator who is African-American. If I'm Mexican culture, if I have Hispanic background, I need to see other people as role models. So when I started to become a voice, I started to really think deeply about the needs of our organization. And with that, um, I know we got very quickly to the second um, uh, break. And uh, I want to say something in Farsi. شنوندگان عزیز رادیو بامداد من به همراه دوتان از همکارانم دکتر راکرز و دکتر اندراده امروز در خدمتون هستیم روزهای شنبه و شنبه 
از ساعت دوازده تایی که بعد از ظهر ما به زبان انگلیسی صحبت میکنیم پادکست های ما در آیتون و در گوگل قابل سرچ هستند. ما تحت عنوان کالچر اند سایکولوژی روزهای شنبه و شنبه صحبت میکنیم در مورد مسائل روز و مسائل سایکولوژی روانشناسی اگر کسانی هستن که از برنامه ما به زبان انگلیسی استفاده میکنن خواهش میکنم ازشون دعوت کنین که پادکست های ما رو در میدیا سرچ کنن و تحت عنوان های مختلف ما 120 تا 130 پادکست داریم میتونن به برنامه ما از رادیو بامداد توجه کنن برمیگردیم دنباله صحبتمون رو ادامه می We are back with Dr. Rogers and Dr. Andrade and uh, the first two sessions, if you didn't turn on your radio before and you just are listening to us, we were talking about the administrative world uh, in any jobs. And we got to the point that we were talking about some challenges as an administrator or some challenges as a worker and how we behave, how we Um, stand up for some things that we believe in, how we challenge our managers or our supervisors uh, from both sides, from this side of the table and that side of the table. And uh, I want to hand it to Dr. Andrade, who started this conversation and see what he wants to add. I just wanted to mention too, some of the skills that we get from those, those jobs really can be so foundational in ways that we don't imagine. And so, for example, you know, <clears throat> when it comes to the administrative jobs I've had, I've had to shuffle a lot of paperwork. I had to kind of, as we've been talking about, work with other individuals and, and kind of manage uh, both, you know, different positions and titles, as well as even things like race and ethnicity, Uh, as well as even as Daniel was mentioning, like, you know, people who are new to an organization, um, like my brother, who are probably questioning everything. And so there's a lot of skills that as a psychologist, I never realized that those experiences gave me even just knowing that, you know, submitting paperwork or documentation, you know, you're not going to get it back, you know, uh, in, in a day or two, it's this, you know, machine that for some reason takes weeks and months to process 
knowing that you're going to have to be on the phone and be on hold and, you know, how to ask those questions in a way that, you know, get answered yet can seem very simple and very direct. So a lot of those skills and those abilities transfer over to jobs in ways we don't even imagine. I, I always tell people, for example, as a psychologist, I'm like, probably about 40% of my job is paperwork. You know, if I didn't, wasn't able to, to manage and organize paperwork, uh, you know, notes, insurance, bills, you know, uh, expenses, things like that, I would probably have a really difficult time. And it's actually something that I'd seen with some of my colleagues over the years. It's not something that they were so well versed at and something that they didn't quite have, you know, kind of just the, the skills that I developed over the years to be able to do those things. And so I think it's one important to be able to grow and develop those skills in any kind of work that you do too. But then also too, I think it's important to recognize, you know, how do you, I always say that there's those people who have jobs where it maybe wasn't what they envisioned doing when they grew up, but it can still be a good, a rewarding job, whether it's the pay that you get or even just in being able to complete, uh, you know, your task and your responsibilities. And then there are those people who I say kind of annoyingly like me need to find meaning in their work uh, constantly. And so I think it can be such a contrast sometimes between doing something that allows you to engage and live in your life versus something that feels, you know, meaningful or, you know, something that, you know, you're, you're constantly feeling personally fulfilled. And so I think that the administrative, I think sometimes a lot of times along those lines, people look at administrative jobs, uh, whether they're in them themselves or other people is kind of negative because it's like, well, this isn't what I wanted to do, or this wasn't something that I strove to do. I, I say, you know, I was a business service officer when I worked for the state of California. I didn't grow up as a kid wanting to be a business service officer. But it gave me a lot. It taught me things. It, it served an important role in my life for a long time. And so trying to kind of recognize those skills that we gain as well as recognize those roles. So sorry, I realized that was a lot there. Uh, maybe just starting with the first part as far as the, 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 the skills that we gain. Um, let me ask the two of you, do, do you feel as though there have been things that you've specifically got from those experiences or things that you even translate into the work that you do now, or even other jobs that you've done, I imagine as a teacher or principal, you know, there can be a lot there for you, Sade. Yeah, but I talk too much. I want Dan <laughs> <laughs> to say something. <laughs> I chime in. Jiminy, I was wondering if I'd ever get a talk today. <laughs> I forgot to tell you one of my annoyances is people in meetings just talk, 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 talk. talk. Oh, now you tell us. Now you tell us. <laughs> no, I think, you know, I, Alex, are you asking about the experience that I had, say, in with organizations? Yeah, yeah, organizations. organizations. Really, the one of the biggest things for me couple big things, tolerance of being able to just when I say tolerance, it means to realize a lot of times in volunteer organizations anyway, people are not going to be as responsible as they might be on a job. I'm assuming probably less so because it's volunteer work. I, I remember complaining to my brother one time about this, like Man, people aren't doing it. And he says, hey, it's volunteer work. These people don't have a real stake in it. So it's not like their paycheck is tied to it. So it's probably one of the best trainings for management I could think of because 
The people don't have a stake in it. And if you can motivate them to be excited about doing the work, then that's really good training. The other is persistence. And I think the persistence kind of goes along with that. It's not to just give up and back out and quit when things go tough. And I can remember there were a number of different times <clears throat> when I was leading the organization and it was, I had worked all day. We had an event at night. I was tired and I want to do it. But I also knew there wasn't anybody else in that uh, organizational group who was going to go lead that thing. And I just told myself, no, this is what you do. This is what you signed up for. And it's a good learning experience. As opposed to when I was younger, I would have been highly irritated and probably pushed back a lot and not been very pleasant and unkind and a lot of that stuff. But it's really just, okay, this is, this is what we got to go through. I think it's part of life. It's part of going through life. It's becoming wiser and more mature. It's like, mm, yeah, we can, have the, we can have ideas about what we want, but also to realize we don't always get everything exactly the way that we want it. And the point of the journey is not so much to arrive. It's the journey itself. And it's our learning as we're on the journey. What am I learning? How am I growing? And being able to use all those things there. No, I think that's, that's great, Daniel. Yeah. And that's kind of along the lines of even being in those roles, maybe at times where we're not feeling as though it's something that we strongly desired, but seeing, you know, how can this be a part of, you know, my experience? How can, what can I get out of this? Uh, and being able to, to kind of focus on that while you're, while you're in it in that way. Yeah. Cause there's probably every situation we find ourselves in that feels undesirable, if we stay open and look, we can figure out a way that we can use that situation to grow and become a better person, either better personally, better managerially, just better work-wise. There's some way that we can use every situation to become better. And so even when we find ourselves in rotten situations, that's the key element. People who can do that, they grow and they're probably a lot more happy. <clears throat> I agree. And to ask to answer your question, Alex, uh, I think every step on the way that I experience in my job helped me so much in where I am now and what I am doing uh, at this point. First of all, the social part of everything you do, you learn about people and you learn how to interact with people, which is major in our actually profession because we need to connect. We need to understand people aside from our expertise and what we have learned we have to bring all our experiences into this relationship and the interaction with our patients. So for me, all the steps that I have taken in my life, all challenges I have faced have helped me so much in where I am and how I am actually doing my job. So when I go back to my first job, which I, I think talked about it at one of our sessions here, I learned so much that you are careful with what you say to even person that you think acts like is close to you and you share something that creates something really challenging for yourself. And then along the way, you learn to be somehow little political at work and you don't share what you don't need to share. 
Um, you know, so you're more careful with your personal life, not bringing it to your work and also not to bring your challenges from work to home and create a, an uncomfortable situation, an environment for your loved ones at home. So you learn to be, um, to create a balance between work and home and also you create a balance between different type of people you work with. And um, I like the word tolerance that Dan talked about. I think it's the major part when you are working, whether as an employee, whether as a manager, because when you have a high tolerance, you can handle your stress, you can handle differences, you can handle challenges. And, um, and then one of the things that always along the way helped me, I think it was just my dad was uh, an educated person and he was always in education field in different positions that he had dealing with so many people and different um, projects and different organizations. He always said, whenever you have a challenge, always question yourself first. Just say how you had a part in this. And always question yourself when something bothers you, just say, what did you do to create this situation? And it always helped me along the way. So anytime I was bothered by something or somebody said something or somebody did something, I went back and I really reflected on myself. And I, I just went back to see, is there anything that I did to create that? And then with that, you become more confident of the behavior you do or the actions you take. You realize maybe there I did something or I said something, whether consciously or unconsciously, that made someone act the way they are acting. So this helped me a lot to reflect on my own and see what part do I have that created this situation for me. And that helped me a lot. And I changed so many uh, jobs at different parts of my life. You know, when I was um, on, in my undergrad, I was consistently working on accounting um, because my um, major was business. So I wanted to have experience. So I was uh, in different parts of an organization in account depart accounting department. Then I became a secretary because uh, my other part of the study was administrative um, uh, work, which I wanted to learn more about secretarial job and managing the office. And I was an office manager for a big organization after learning all ins and outs of it. And then um, I moved to my own business, uh, which was also very successful, but it was a small business. And then I moved to teaching an administrative job. So I've been every place, uh, private sector, government sector, you know, all different parts. And it's been a great experience everywhere I, I was. Um, and also with challenges, which was completely different from the other challenges I had faced. So it just makes you a stronger person makes you learn from people. Um, so it definitely helps as you ask Alex that, uh, you know, your experiences really helped you uh, where you are. Yeah, it's, uh, similarly, I've looked back and uh, like you were mentioning too, Daniel, I look back and realize that each of those jobs I've had have contributed in some way. Now, I don't know if that's me framing it or shaping it as I've wanted that to contribute to my path 
or it really did add something. I, I believe it really added something. Each of those jobs, even those obscure jobs that I had when I was young and working at the mall, each of those, I can look at at least one lesson that I took that helped me along the way. And even in the work that I do with individuals, I, I, I jokingly say, like, I, I know what it's like to have a job that I hate. You know, I feel like, you know, as a therapist, that's so important to be able to connect with a patient on. Not that we need to know every experience that all of our patients experience. But I could really empathize when somebody said, yeah, I had a job that I hate and I have to get up early and I don't want to go and I got to be there and my boss is a jerk. And I'm like, oh, yep, I've had that. I've had that. You know, I, I can look back and say, you know, what was that giving me at the time? Maybe didn't feel like much, but now I can look back and say, you know what? I got something from that. And, and then even with the administrative like skills that I have, I, I really do appreciate that in the work that I do now, because I think for, again, and seeing some of my colleagues struggle with that, uh, you know, not to say that, you know, their struggling makes me feel better, but recognizing that that's not something that everybody has. It's just not something that people can, uh, you know, naturally develop. Sometimes you're having to go through those uh, skills and those jobs and to order to be able to carry that forward and, and feel good about, oh, okay, that, that did serve me. That, there was a purpose to that at some point. I think also I important piece, what you said, Alex, is we can learn stuff on that job, which are good lessons for us to go in the future. But even if we didn't learn anything at a particular job, we can still go back in our mind and get things, get learnings from what happened there. Because we can have retrospective realizations and say, oh, that's for me, that's the things I was talking about earlier when I apologized. When I left that job, you could have asked me any of these things. I wouldn't have been able to tell you that. I said, no, they're a bunch of jerks, man. They didn't know what the heck they were doing. So it's a re retrospective learning. We, we carry our experiences around with it and we can always mine those experiences and learn from more from those experiences. It's a, it's a lot of stuff we can take. And Alex, you were at the very beginning, you were talking about like using fax machine, using a photocopy machine. I remember it was, you know, there are so many complicated machines that even uh, to this day, uh, you can do so much with a copy machine nowadays that it's not that easy. You have to read the manual. You have to really know uh, what they can do for you. But I, I remember my first job, uh, I was learning how to do the facts and how to do the, uh, you know, copying. Uh, it just seems to be simple. But if you haven't done it before, you know, it's just one of those experiences when you start something, you learn all these little things in your job that um, somebody would say, well, you know, it's so easy to make a copy or to do this, but then you realize there's so much into it. Even it's, it sounds so easy, but, you know, for your first time job and for your first time doing it, it's not that easy. Yeah. It's funny. My cousin, uh, he's in technology and he'll work with people who are like CEOs and really smart and, you know, high level people. And sometimes he tells me that the troubleshooting difficulties that they have, and it's like, yeah, their mouse wasn't plugged in, you know? So it's like <laughs> one of those things where, 
with technology such as, you know, computers and printers and all of that being very commonplace now, it uh, doesn't always guarantee that you have those skills or those abilities. So again, that's where even sometimes the, those experiences that we have, uh, you know, we can gain something from them that way, especially with, uh, you know, how dependent we are on technology. That, that may be another uh, episode that we talk about <laughs> that, but <Yeah. laughs> techno-dependence. Yes. Yeah. Well, especially when we are immigrant to technology rather than immigrant born. So um, to technology, uh, I mean, born to technology rather than immigrant to technology. I, I feel like I, I was immigrant because when I compare myself to young people, that's their life. They just do everything with um, internet, with technology. But for us, even though I feel like all my working life, I've been exposed to it, uh, we had training about it, but it's something like native born or immigrant born. It's just always that gap in, in there too. So are you saying you are a minority to technology? Uh, I'm not sure if it's called minority, but maybe now that you're saying, um, you know, majority, minority, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, depending on population-wise, we have to look at how many younger generation are living and how many older generation. But yeah, I mean, in my head, if I calculate, definitely, I'm uh, still minority. I'm a minority in everything. Well, doesn't I mean I, I like <laughs> the concept fusion that you're bringing together? This idea of uh, uh, newborn to technology or not native born to technology, immigrant to technology. And I'm yeah. just thinking about, well, how does that apply to the, some of the current discussions today in terms of minority and who is minority? And your response to that makes a lot of sense. It depends on what your perspective is, mm -hmm. right? That's essentially what you were struggling with there. Well, it depends on the perspective here. From whose perspective are we looking? But we're getting off track here. I want to bring us back on. I know Alex has uh, got some good things to say here. Alex, bring us back around, man. Yeah, well, I guess uh, as far as talking about, you know, those things that we've gained, those experiences and roles that we've had, really want to maybe, you know, leave something, uh, you know, each of us leave something for the listeners in regards to what we talked about today, uh, as we maybe wrap up the show. So uh, let's start with, uh, well, I always love this because Saide has this power usually, who we start with. So, you know what, I'm going to say, let's start with Saide in regards to what you would like to leave listeners with, or what would you like to encourage listeners? Okay, well, I would like to say that anything that you do as a new job or new relationship or anything new, always open and be open to um, other people's um, mind and uh, sharing and um, expertise, and also try to grasp everything that um, fits with your um culture with who you are and then start to looking into what is it that uh, it relates to you what are your values what do you want to stand for what do you want to live for and even though you're new to a job or new to a relationship just be open and and just try to learn more than you express um and, and there's always room for expression, but your job is to learn. And um, I think being a learner 
gives you so much in life. And uh, the expression is great, but being a learner always gives you more to express later. So that's what I want to say. I will jump in next. I would say this. When you, when you join an organization or a group, try to find out what the leader, what his or her goals are and figure out how you can help them to reach their goals. And then you will more fully become who you are. You will develop yourself by helping the leader become their goals. Because if you figure out how to help them, then you'll be applying your best skills and then you'll become known for that. I didn't realize this when I was younger and I wish I would have. Nice. Well, normally I leave a message to all of our listeners, but today I feel like I should just talk to my brother. Stop going into jobs and just trying to change everything, guy. Just like, wait a little while. No, uh, but that that would be my recommendation to all listeners. Uh, you know, it's great to question the rules and the expectations, but also you want to learn the system, learn the rules, give yourself some time to adapt to the system. Like you were saying, Daniel, you know, you, you need to be integrated into the system somewhat before you can start to question it. So I think it's always great to question, but you also want to make sure that you're, you're kind of grasping and understanding a little bit more before you just go in and try to change things. So again, that mostly applies to my brother, but hopefully listeners can take something out of that as well. No, actually, that was a great, um, you know, comment that you made to your brother. <laughs> I second that. <laughs> I'm staying out so, of it. Yeah. <laughs> Are we done, Alex, for today, for this Saturday? Or do you have more that you want to add at the end? No, I think we're, I think that's uh, it for today until, uh, yeah, we wrap up and uh, come back uh, tomorrow. All right. So with that, I want to say goodbye to our listeners. And once again, we are from Tavano Organization. Um, check our website, www.thetavana.com. And uh, also uh, check out our podcasts on YouTube. I mean, sorry, on uh, iTunes and Google search us. We have more than 120 to 30 podcasts so far under different topics, under the culture and psychology from Radio Bomb. With that, I wish you having a wonderful Saturday. We come back tomorrow to continue our conversation about another topic.
رادیو بامداد صدای ما و شما با زبانی آشنا